I'm going to make um, adults in the room. Um, if you ever are, are sitting down and you turn around and you see a student is standing, please offer them your seat. Um, while this environment is for everyone, we want to focus on the high school students who want to be a part of this. And so um, there are lots of seats if we squeeze in and um, adults, small group leaders, parents, please offer a seat to a student um, if you see that they are standing and you are sitting. So thanks for that. Um, our volunteers are coming around right now to receive um, the offering. If you have something, go ahead and drop it in there. If not, continue to pass it along. Um, and in the meantime, what I would encourage you to do, I hope you have a Bible. Um, we talk about that every week. This is, this is God's word. This is what we believe to be the ultimate source of truth in our lives. And so every week we dive into God's word so that we can experience him, so that we can know where he's calling us, so that we can refocus our minds on real, authentic, ultimate truth. And so uh, if you have one, I hope you do, go ahead and open it up um, to the book of Philippians chapter 4. If you don't, look off your neighbor. And if your neighbor doesn't have one, don't worry, it's going to be on a screen, okay? So <clears throat> go ahead and open up to Philippians and put your finger there because we won't be there for um, a little while because we have uh, a unique day in front of us, but that's where we're going to be looking today uh, into Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. And real quick, <clears throat> I was trying to avoid this verse all week. If I'm completely honest, um, because I think a lot of the times this is the, this is the text that we go to um, around the, the, the theme and the idea and the feelings and the, uh, the reality of anxiety and depression. And I think we have done the, we have done, um, the word injustice as it is the thing that we have slapped on and we haven't fully explained it and fully broken it down so that we understand how it helps us. Focus on Jesus so that we can give him our anxieties and give him our depression. And I think sometimes we slap this band-aid on it without really addressing the issues that I think God's word addresses in this. And so we're going to talk through that today. Here's the other thing, too. Um, thank you guys for being here. If it's your first week, if a friend invited you, um, we are so glad that you're here. Um, we're in this series, uh, like Katie talked about, called Elephants, where we're talking about some of the harder topics um, that are hard to address. But what we realize is you guys, um, in your um, everyday life at school and in your neighborhoods and with your friends and on um, your, your teams, you are talking about these things. And so we must, as the church, address these types of things. Um, I said last week, at the beginning of this year, made a commitment to shine light on the places of darkness um, that Satan loves to hold on tight to and praise that nothing happens. He hopes with everything inside of him that light is not shined upon that. And so we must shine light because there are those of us who are feeling the effects of a lot of these topics, of a lot of these things that we're talking about. And so the last thing, um, if you were here or were not here last week, we uh, engaged the LGBTQ community. Um, and for whatever reason, um, our file that we upload onto our podcast corrupted last week. And so that is not available. I know that a lot of parents were asking about it. And so here's what I encourage you to do. If you were here, share that with a friend. Talk through that. And if you find yourself in a position where you go, hey, I feel equipped to do this, go have coffee with a friend. Go have coffee with your, I know, I know, it might sound weird, but go have coffee with your parents. Say, hey, mom and dad, if you buy me ice cream or if you buy me a Big Mac or whatever it is that you, if you buy me a new car, I'll talk about what we talked about last week. I don't know that they'll fully buy into that, but here's what I know. Your parents want to talk to you about what you are experiencing in your relationship with Jesus. 
And I had a lot of parents who were like, I'm so excited to listen to it, to begin conversations with my students. You want to floor your parents? Go home and say, hey, mom, hey, dad, I want to talk about some of the things that we have been talking about in GSM. Like, I want to talk about the reality that the LGBTQ community is influencing our world and our community, that depression and anxiety does influence us, that the things we talk about, you want to floor your parents, go home and have that conversation with them and be open and be honest and allow that to to come about naturally. Here's the other thing, too. If you're like, man, I'm not ready to have that conversation. Like, I don't feel fully equipped. I know what happened last week or maybe you missed last week. Let's have coffee. I would love to talk through that with you. If you maybe need a refresher, I don't know what it is, but I would love to find those opportunities. You have small group leaders who would love to continue that conversation with you. So that's my plug um, for, for, for the Elephant Series. And so this is the absolute last part of this introduction. Um, we brought this up last week, and it's my hope that throughout this series, we identify some of the issues that exist in our lives and in our communities and the reality of where we are as a society. It's my belief that we will tackle those, but it is not our goal to fix you. It is not our goal to fix you. Like, it is our hope that as we talk today about anxiety and depression, my hope, my, the reason I am teaching through this is not to fix you. It is to point you to the person who will lead you to where he is calling you to be. He will restore you in that. And so my hope is nothing more than we look at Jesus and we see who he is and we say, that's who I'm pursuing. I, I don't need to be fixed by the church. I don't need to be fixed by individuals. I am going to the person who can restore me to how I am supposed to be as I become more like him. And he is the person of Jesus Christ. And so that's the hope for this series. And so today, uh, we have a, it's a short title. Today's title is semicolons. Today's title is semicolons, and we'll continue in that, but let's jump into the text. <clears throat> this is Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, and this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your reasonable, mi- re- wow, I'm getting excited. Here we go. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. God, I know that um, topics like this are are hard to address. Because they cut to the core and it's it's about us. And so it's my prayer, Father, that, that you would... You would shine through into the darkness. You would shine light on these places in our lives that we want to keep hidden and that we want to protect ourselves from the world from. And we, the ones that we want to deal with on our own, I pray that you would shine light on them. And Father, through that, that we would see that you are calling us, that you are calling us into your love and into your care and into your grace. And so, Father, let us experience you this morning. 
Let us not just experience you in a moment, but let us experience you in a new way that, that makes life incredibly different. So, Father, be with us this morning as we tackle this difficult idea, this difficult reality of depression and anxiety. Father, you can overcome them. We cannot overcome it on our own. And so allow us, Father, strengthen us, break us down so that we have to give it over to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And so <clears throat> here's where we're at. So I'm going to be fully, fully honest and transparent. Um, I am teaching a message today on something that I've, I've never really experienced, if I'm completely honest with you. And so uh, that immediately, I, some of you who are here and you go, man, Ryan, I deal with anxiety and I deal with depression. Maybe that loses some credibility. Um, and if it does, that's fine. Don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Um, I've never experienced this. And so I have, here's what I have. I have experienced this secondhand. I've experienced it through a lot of you, through meetings that we've had and interactions that we've had and conversations in my office and at coffees and, and through the hallways. And so while I have never felt the weight of this personally, I have felt the weight of it from a lot of you and from a lot of adults in the room and people who I dearly love. But here's what I know. Anxiety and depression are one of those areas that are ravaging students your age. It means eating your lunch every single day. And the hard part about it is there's no easy, quick fix solution for it. Just a, a, a couple statistics as I was looking through this because, you know, the, one of the things that we specifically in here have experienced over the last couple of years is the, the, what, what anxiety and depression leads to in suicide or suicidal thoughts or acting out and trying to take one's life. We experienced that in the past couple of years. I was looking um, at some t statistics and in 2017, in 2017, in Ohio, there was 111 students who took their life. And it was an incredible jump. The last 10 years leading up to that did not equal 111. And something happened in 2017 where we were experiencing anxiety and depression in such a great place that there were students your age, there were people who you may know, there might be people who you are connected to. There was 11, in, I'm sorry, it's 12 in Stark County alone who ended up taking their life. And I think a lot of that comes from the reality of anxiety and depression. Guys, consider yourself lucky because ladies among us, you are two times as likely to experience anxiety or depression as guys. And so if you're a guy in here, say thank you, God, for my hormones being the hormones of a guy and not of a lady because I am experiencing less of what the ladies are experiencing. The other thing you should be doing is you should be praying every single day for the ladies among us, for the ones that sit beside you and behind you and in front of you because they, what, hey, here's the reality. They're two times as likely. And so, hey, that's the reality of where we're at. And so you should be praying and saying, hey, God, thank you for protecting me. Now continue to protect our ladies, the ladies of Stark County, the ones that I know and the ones that I don't know. Hey, ladies, I'm going to give it to you. It's harder than I could ever probably even understand. And so thank you for being strong. 
And if you're in here and you are experiencing anxiety, whether you are male or female, thank you for being strong. Thank you for saying, hey, I am going to continue to keep up the fight. And the reality of 2019 is that we are subtly engaging in things that drive us further into discontentment, depression, and anxiety. With the, with the, the internet, the whole new world of opportunities is open up to us. You can do research papers faster than you ever were able to before. But with that freedom and with those privileges comes incredible, um, an incredible reality of understanding what's out there. You know, I remember um, <clears throat> the, you guys were all really young, maybe some of you not even born. I remember when, when Facebook was like the thing. Back in the days when you had to have a college uh, email address to connect to it. And I was like, this is unbelievable. I can connect to so many people. And from there, it has snowballed and it has become something that's an incredible opportunity, incredible way to connect to other people. But what it has also done, it has been an incredible tool to understand and to realize our own personal discontentment. Hey, can I be honest with you guys? You probably know this, but let me just let me just blanket statement this one. Instagram isn't real. Like Instagram is not real. Like when you're looking at those pictures, that's not reality. Those are like highlights of a life. But we look at this and we go, man, I don't have that car. Man, I don't look like her. Oh my goodness, dude, he's jacked. He's almost as big as Ryan. Like, <laughs> like. We, we buzz through this, and it, what it does is as we look into this, it's really a mirror that shows our own heart, our own discontentment. We have, Pastor Mike talked about it in, in service today. We have, we have TV series, one that came out in 2017, 13 Reasons Why, that focuses on and romanticizes to a degree suicide. And he said in there, after that released, there was an uptick by 30% in, in, in students' lives from 11 to 18 who committed suicide. And we engage in these things. And we go, man, did you hear about that, entertain, that show? Oh my goodness, it's so entertaining. We, we give up. We give away pieces of our heart. We give away pieces of our mind for entertainment value. And depression and anxiety grows within us. We're never going to be good enough. And because we're never going to be good enough, we need to hunker down. And we need to shelter ourselves. And we're not going to engage with anyone else. I mean, I was looking, even in the statistics, you know, how the rise of horror movies has increased over the last 40 to 50 years. It's just wild. You know, it used to, used to be that horror movies were released usually one month a year, in October for Halloween. And now they're coming out on a regular basis. And what we do is we go and for entertainment value, we view and we watch these things that we are frightened of, that cause anxiety in us for the simple pleasure of entertainment. And this is where we are. Now this isn't to bash entertainment. Like, go have fun. But let's make sure we're strategic in the ways that we engage and interact with media and entertainment to ensure that it is not feeding the demons within us that are trying to eat us alive. Let's make sure that we are not feeding the darkness, that we're not sinking further into the darkness in these small areas of our lives. And so I know that there are some of you in here, in the conversations that I've had with you, 
and I love your honesty. And here's what, I, here's, here's what I can promise you. If you ever come to me or to one of your small group leaders or to one of your parents and you're honest with them, you say, hey, this is where I'm at. Here's my response to you. I love you more today than I did yesterday. Now that I know this thing about you that is causing you to struggle. Because the more that we are known, the more that we trust that others can love us. I heard a pastor um, say in an incredible message, he goes, if you are 99% known, everything, like like if you could quantify everything in your life and you say, I'm sharing 99% of it and you hold back that 1%, you are still fully unknown because we convince ourselves, hey, this is me and I'm not gonna show this to you because if you ever knew this thing about me, there is no way that you would possibly love me. And what Jesus says is, I wanna know all of you, give it all to me. I already know and so bring it to me. I know that there's students in this room. I was having an uh, interaction with, with, with one of my favorite students. One of my favorite students. I absolutely love this person. I love all of you. But this day I go, hey, how was your day? I said, today was a good day. And if you've interacted with me much, you know that usually my response right after that is, well, what made it good? And this student's response to me was, I didn't want to kill myself today. And that's what made it a good day. And my response is, I love you. Thank you. Like that's like, if we're honest, for some of us, that's not a good day. You're like, that's the best day of my life. Because the anxiety and the depression is weighing so heavily that I just want it to end. And this is the the only option that I possibly can see to make this end. A good day is I, I didn't want to kill myself here's what I know. When we look into God's word, we see the hope that exists. It transcends understanding. We cannot fathom and we cannot understand it, but we feel it wash over us and we go, that's what I have been looking for. And so because I've never engaged with or felt the the weight of this, I have a friend who I wanted to bring up here this morning to share her story with you to share her story so that you can hopefully walk away from here. If you're battling with anxiety and depression, you can say, Ryan has no idea how I feel. There are others in here who know how I feel, and she knows how I feel, and so we can work through that together. And so please welcome our good friend, Bethany Calloway, up here this morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, as you said, I'm Bethany. Um, some of you know me, some of you may not, so I'll kind of start at the beginning of my story. I was born in Indiana, August, I want to say 12th, 1984. Um, my dad was in seminary, and that's why we were there. Um, since that time, we have moved a total of 17 times over 12 years, um, but I'm going to r- rewind a little bit. Um, so I was born into a family, mom, dad, older sister, Um, younger brother, younger sister. Um, So I was the true second child, the peacekeeper, um, but ornery as all get out. If I had to compare myself to a Shumway kid, it would probably be Colton. Um, Huge heart, but just a wild thing. Um, So at age six, I made a profession of faith, um, but I really didn't know what a relationship with God was. Um, When I was 13, 
I was sitting in the middle of a revival, and the pastor was talking about um, revelations, and he was talking about the rapture. And I remember sitting there, like literally the words in my mind, oh, crap, if that happens today, I'm not going up. I need to take care of this now. Um, so at that time, I went to the back of the auditorium, um, spoke with my mom, and um, at age 13, um, I accepted Christ. Um, at age 22, 23, I was baptized. Um, I know that doesn't, that, doesn't, um, that doesn't save you, but it, it does show others that you want to live for Christ. Um, and I made that, that decision in my 20s. Um, I remember when I was in second grade um, having a feeling I had never had before, uh, fear. My dad was interviewing at a church. He's, he was a pastor. Um, and lightning was going off all around me. And I started freaking out, like climbing up his leg, freaking out. Um, it was the beginning of something I've dealt with for over 25 years. Um, anxiety, loss of control, what's going to happen, what if. Um, I remember as a kid, um, every time we had a family meeting, are we moving? Are we having another kid? What's going on? Um, just that loss of control, that anxiety. Um, I knew I was loved, but I wasn't sure that I really belonged. Um, when I was growing up, I went to a bunch of different schools also. A total of nine changes over, what is it, 13 years. Um, I went to Christian school. I went to public school. I was homeschooled. I was schooled all the different ways. So, yeah, I, I know where you guys are at. Um, I do remember in third grade being bullied um, because of my size. At that time, I was four foot four foot nine and uh, 89 pounds. So I remember like looking down as a nine-year-old and being like, wow, I am so fat. Um, and I remember at lunchtime, um, I, I was sitting at the table and people were spitting on my food that they were sharing with me. And I remember half the time like going to the bathroom, hiding or just like throwing up because I didn't want to be out with all the mean girls. Um, so after that, after that grade, I was homeschooled, not because of that incident necessarily, but because we were moving so much. Um, by sixth grade, we had moved to Ohio. At that point, we were in Georgia. We moved up to Ohio. Um, I grew to be 5'4 and 140 pounds. At that, at that point, I was still, I guess, considered the big girl, but I had friends um, that accepted me for who I was. Between third and sixth grade, like as I said, I was very much a little cold and growing up very loving, very energetic, just a good kid, um, but by sixth grade, I had totally changed as a person. Um, I used to be fun-loving, and now all I knew was fear. Um, I was the, the girl the teacher picked on, not out of meanness, but just because I was weird and unhygienic and just, I, I guess I appeared to be unintelligent. Um, I was isolated, but somehow still made friends. Um, I moved from Alliance at that point to Maslin, um, still going to a Christian school. Um, and was once again borderline bullied in a Christian school because of how I acted and how I dressed, um, just how I was. Um, I was never the smart one or the funny one, but I did enjoy sports and was still athletic and um, kept up with my studies at that time. During that time, I was in a youth group um, at the church that was kind of attached to the school. Um, in 10th grade, we had um, a church split, and with my dad working at that church and um, just everything that went on, lines were bound to blur. So I remember, I remember one time I was walking into class and a kid started bullying my sister. Totally shut that down right away. But um, I remember the night that the church split went down, just thinking to myself, is this how Christians act? Do they even love Jesus? Like, what's, what's going on right now? And as a 15-year-old, I was thinking, is my dad going to have a job? Am I going to have a place to live? <laughs> Am I going to have a place to go to school? What's going to happen? <laughs> 
um, I mean, it all ended up working for good. Um, I gained two friends through the split, one before, one after. Um, we were known as the Three Musketeers all around, um, leading a youth group, um, attending everything. Um, but over like six or seven years, I went from being best friends with these girls to wondering what was wrong with me um, and if I was good enough. Um, so I graduated in 2002, and I, yeah, I'm old. Um, and then I went to another local church during my college years. Um, I tried so hard to be one of them. I wanted to be, I guess, just wanted to be cool. I, at my church before, there was no other college-age people, so I went to the place where college-age people were and, and wanted to get involved and serve. Um, I just remember f- not feeling like I was enough or I was one of them. Um, at that time, I sunk further into depression, and 2002 to 2006 um, was honestly a blur. Um, I suddenly dated. I had about two friends. Um, I ate a lot. Um, and the summer of 2008, I worked as a camp nurse. And during that time, one of the great uh, men of God in my life, my grandfather, passed away. And at that point, I just remember being, I'm, I'm done caring. I, I can't do this anymore. He was such a godly man, and he's gone. I'm a bum that doesn't even care about anything. Why am I here? Um, I remember the year I graduated college as being so dark. Like, I would, I would call that time of my life, the inter- internal struggle is real. Um, there were so many graduates that year, I couldn't find a nursing job. Um, so it took me about nine months to find a job. During that time, um, I would get up and act like I was going to church. I would shower, get ready. Um, and then by the time my parents left, I was still living at home. Um, I would go back to doing whatever, cleaning or... Um, no, let's be honest. I was maybe watching church online at best or, or watching Sports Center. Um, by my 25th birthday, I was a mess. I wasn't in church. Um, I remember spending that whole birthday um, just crying by myself. Uh, just spent a lot of time over those years wondering what was wrong with me. Um, I finally got a job uh, working as a psych nurse, which was very interesting, on an afternoon shift. So a lot of interesting things goes down at that time. I remember having a lot of trouble sleeping, a lot of trouble concentrating. Um, some days I could barely function, function from um, depression and anxiety. And at that time, um, that was the first time I decided um, I needed to take, to take medications. Um, I didn't want them. Um, I wanted to do it on my own. I wanted to white knuckle it. I, I didn't want to need anybody or anything. Um, I got to the point where I could function with the meds, but I just really didn't care anymore. Um, I was apathetic. I would come home, binge watch something, isolate myself to my room, um, eat a lot, try to sleep, but really didn't succeed in that much. Um, and would do that over and over and over. Um, by 2002, I just, I still really didn't care and I really didn't want to go to church. Um, in the spring, um, my dad had a freak accident, um, had a brain bleed and almost died. Um, and that kind of scared me back into caring. Um, I stopped the meds at that time because I was like, I want to care. I don't feel anything. I want to be able to, you know, something's going to happen to him. I want to feel. At that time, my older sister also let me know that if I wasn't going to be in church, I wasn't somebody that she wanted in my nieces and nephews' life, and and that wrecked me. So I knew I did need to make a change. That year, I went to a live and talked with some friends and made the decision that I was going to turn my life back around and get into church. Um, which I did. I think like the next Sunday I went to church, um, got involved. Um, on my birthday of that year, so Alive was like in June, in August, um, my church was having a 
event called Community Impact Day where we went out and served the community. And I remember delivering cookies to firemen and policemen and in between on my ride, just crying and praying, God, please help this church not be like my old church. Please help me find friends. Please help me get involved. Please help me find a community. Just use me here. Um, And by January of the next year, I had started in a small group. I was the youngest by 10 years, but it was really a place for me to grow. Yeah, I didn't know it at the time, but God um, answered some of my longstanding prayers through that small group. Um, I had community. I could be vulnerable and not be judged. Um, One of my friends that I look to as a mentor now was going through the same things I was and was able to be an encouragement to me. Um, If you aren't plugged into a small group, I know I think last Sunday or this Sunday is the last Sunday of them, but when they come back around, throw your hat in the ring and go full force at it. I mean, it is is truly life-changing. At that time, you know, I had taken care of things spiritually. At that point, I was 250 pounds and just miserable with life. I was miserable. Um, Something had to change. So... Um, By the end of September of 2013, I was now involved in two small groups. I was in the Sunday night small group with the older people. And then I was in a group called a radical mentoring group, which was a group of girls about my age that were interested um, in diving deeper into Jesus, um, his word, and just trying to live for him. Um, I was growing in confidence at this time, but I still struggled. I remember we had a not an event, but a group called 19 North, and it was for college-age students. I would go, I would program lights, I would do videos um, hours at a time, and then I would go to rehearsal, and as soon as rehearsal was done, I'd run to the bathroom, I'd watch my clock. When it was countdown time, I'd run back in, do what I needed to do for production, and then run back to the bathroom, and then hopefully after a little while, I would come back out and be able to hang out with my friends that I had got to know um, during my small groups. Um, I just really, really struggled with social settings, um, with social anxiety. 2015, moving on, um, was a huge year of change for me. Um, up to that point, I had been living at home with my parents. Um, I was 30, had a great relationship with them, but it was time to move out. I moved to North Canton, and I really wondered if I could do it on my own. Having a um, panic attack or dealing with OCD on my own um, with my parents was fine. They could talk me down, but if I was on my own at my house by myself, what would happen? I remember not spending a lot of time at home that first year. I was either working out or working or at church or just hanging out with friends, but I knew I was making a step in the right direction. Um, during that time, I was, I was encouraged to start a small group, and I was like... I wanted it to be people my age, either married, not married, boy, girl. I really didn't care. I just wanted it to be a place for people to know and be known, for a place for them to be vulnerable. Um, But I didn't think I was capable of leading leading it. Um, I was like, God, why would you choose me? I did have two friends that encouraged me to take that step. Um, I can remember the one being like, what's stopping you? It was obviously myself. Um, the group didn't end up starting. We had met for over thir- three years. Um, I did step down, but that it is still going strong, and it is a great group of people. Like I said, once again, if you're not in a small group, get in one. Um, God has blessed me by making that, um, that step of faith, you know, not thinking I was able to do it, and then just being able to, to lead people to Christ in a small group setting, um, and I was able to 
have actually some of my best friends through the radical mentoring group, through the, the older people small group, and then just leading one on my own. During that time, my anxiety was up and down. Um, I have triggers, storms, planes, the unknown. Um, I consider myself a very relational person. Um, and during that time, I had a friendship go away, and that just um, that ate at me. And that reminded me of my friendships that I had in my early 20s. Like, what did I do this time? What's wrong with me? Maybe if I had better, if I did better at this or that, maybe they would like me. Um, you know, I'd have a great day, and then I'd come home and just implode just from one little thing. Um, I can remember using terrible coping skills, punching walls, um, almost breaking my hand, curling up on the couch and just crying, binging with food, binging with Netflix, um, finding comfort in things instead of comfort in the comforter. Um, 2016 also was an amazing year. Weddings, family, friends, still dealing with anxiety, um, still isolating, fearing I was going to mess things up. Um, I would sit and smile, all while being a wreck on the inside. Um, I was good at, good at hiding things. I would tell myself, you're not good enough. You always do something to mess it up. That's why you're alone, you're fat, you're ugly, no one likes you. No one can ever love you. You're messed up. Kiss any dreams like that goodbye. I wasn't content with the blessings that God had given me. I was surrounded by so much love and support that I couldn't see it through my own warped perception. I can remember not knowing what to do at that time. I felt like I was in a pit, and I totally did not know how to get out of it. Um, I chose to surround myself with people that I knew cared for me. Um, many times it was with friends or family just sitting on their couch reading a book or sitting on the floor just holding a baby. Um, it was a safe place for me to process things. Um, during that time, I also started counseling. I was able to find healthier coping skills and able to root myself deeper in Christ. Uh, 2017, definitely a game changer. Um, I was becoming more comfortable as a person with my weight, my job, friendships. Um, I was able, even able to work through um, the friendship issues that I had had. But anxiety and fear crept back in. Look, you're going on these dates, one and done. Nobody likes you. What's wrong with you? Why can't you get everything done? Why can't you prioritize? Why aren't you pretty like your coworkers think you should be? What's wrong with your personality? I had somebody ask me, have you always been this insecure? Um, at the end of that year, um, the place where I worked had a shooting, and that's a story in and of itself. And by the end of that year, I thought, I'm okay. Five days into that next year, um, I was told that I wouldn't have a job in a month due to, to the facility closing. I ate my feelings. I gained 15 pounds in a couple months. Um, there were days where I couldn't get out of my car. I would just literally sit there and cry on the steering wheel. Um, just cry on the couch. There were days when Satan used my singleness just to beat me down like a baseball bat. Just made me feel about that big. I'm not good enough. Um, I finally got to the point where that was no way to live. I had to change something, but what? I decided at that point um, in my counseling to give in to the suggestions of medications again. And as of today, I've been on medications for one year and 16 days, and now I can smile, and I can mean it, and it's great. Um, I can function also, which is also great. Um, in the last year since I've started Meds Up again, I've had ups, I've had downs, um, but God is, God is truly good. Um, being on meds has helped me focus and helped me be more rational, which is something needed to function. Um, I was able to overcome my fear of flying. I was able to share my story um, or my journey twice. Um, God has really blessed in people that I've been able to reach out to with, with the journey I've been through um, and just relate to them and, and let them know there is hope. Um, had a boyfriend, started actually attending here full-time, which has been a total blessing. 
Um, I've also had some of the lowest points um, that I've had in a while, um, just dark thoughts I never thought that would ever cross my mind. Um, gained 25 pounds, had a bad breakup. Um, exactly one month ago, I was just going through more ups and downs and was like, I need to do something else. So at that point, um, ended up doubling my medication when I just wanted a little bump. But honest to goodness, I am more chill than ever while being my best self. So if that is something you truly need, um, God, God makes things for a reason. Um, will I always struggle with these things? Maybe. Um, will always, God always be there right beside me? Definitely. Um, I know who goes before me, and I know who stands behind. Um, would I change what has happened in my past? No. Um, it has made me who I am, and I wouldn't be who I am today, where I am today, or um, surrounded by who I am today. Um, I do want to share a couple of verses with you, and I will definitely wrap up here. Um, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. So to keep me from being conceited because of surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Um, I've learned hard lessons, I guess, over my life, made ama met amazing people, and um, came out of the other side further, further rooted in Christ. Um, let your struggles draw you closer to him through worship, through reading the Bible, and I would definitely suggest Philippians as a place to start if you don't know where to start. It's, it's awesome. Um, serve, pray, and, and just be kind to yourself. If there's, if there's one thing I could leave you with today, surround yourself with people that love you and, and won't let go, that keep you accountable. Um, at my lowest, I literally had people hold me up in prayer. Um, they ask and asked and continue to ask the hard questions in love. Um, they hold me accountable for choices and make me a better person. It is okay not to be okay, but it is not okay to stay that way. To wrap up, in the words of uh, one of my favorite songs, I'm a huge Reliant K fan if you've ever seen my car, um, I'd rather forget and not slow down than gather regrets for the things I can't change now. If I become what I can't accept, resurrect the saint from within the wretch. Um, that is totally parallel with a Bible verse found in Philippians. Um, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, do not consider that. I have made my own, but... One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. We are all struggling with something in life. Um, take what could be used for evil and use it for God's glory. We are not defined by our struggles. We are defined by who God says we are. And as we sang, um, we are children of God. I am not defined by my anxiety. I am not de defined by my depression. I am not defined by... OCD, I'm not, you guys are not defined by what people may label you as. You are a child of God. Thank you guys. Thanks, Bethany. Um, so let's jump back in um, to Philippians. Hopefully your finger has not uh, fallen asleep in, in your Bible there, but go ahead and open up um, there. And so 
Let's jump in. This is what it says, uh, verse 4 of chapter 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. And I think uh, one of the big things is if Scripture, I mean, Scripture is completely and incredibly important, but if Scripture ever says something more than once and repeats itself, it's like, hey, like, zone in. Focus into that point. And it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice and really what that rejoice means is feel joy. Feel the joy that exists because of Jesus. Feel the joy. He says, let your reasonable, there you go, got me again. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Let your gentleness, your mercy, your kindness, the I am for you kind of attitude, like let that flow out of you. It says, the Lord is at hand. And so what he's pointing there is that the Lord is at hand, is that the Lord is close to us. In Psalm um, <clears throat> chapter uh, 34, verse 17 through 19, it says, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of, their, uh, out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. May, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them. And I think really what we need to focus in is that the Lord is at hand. My question is, as we're walking through life, do we really believe that God is, in fact, who he says he is? You know, <clears throat> he's at hand. He is right here with us. And so as I'm reading through this, um, I, I, I really adjusted the way that I kind of study in the last couple weeks. Uh, Marshall, who a lot of you know, he pointed me to a podcast, and it was, it was really good. And, and so... Uh, Instead of just trying to fly through it, I'm, I'm trying to step back and, and really observe some of the things that happen in Scripture. And one of the things that jumped out to me is in the ESV, um, it says, the Lord is at hand, and there's a semicolon right there. And so I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to, like, I want to observe these things. And so I don't, like, this may come across, like, blatantly clear. Like, I'm not a super big punctuation guy. Like, punctuation is not my thing. Um, so what I, immediately I did is what a lot of us do, and I Google search, like, what is the purpose of a semicolon? And there it is right there. And, like, I read, like, the, the technical definition, um, and I didn't quite understand it. And so Melissa True, who works here at the church, she knows that I am, uh, that I am remedial in my, uh, my, my grammar and, and punctuation. So I just sent her a message, and I said, hey, um, what, what is this about? And she said, in literature or writing, a semicolon is a visible reminder that a reader hasn't reached the end yet. There is another connection to be made right around the corner, another link, another thought, another important point or experience. Something more is coming. And so we see that there. The Lord is at hand. Like that is a statement, but there is more to come. And as I did the Google search, it says, what is a semicolon purpose? What is it for? Right below that, I saw something that says, why do people get a semicolon tattoo? And I was like, I don't know what, like, but it, it, it drew, my eyes drew to it. And what I realized as I clicked on it is people, this is, this is unbelievable. It, it rocked my mind. You might be like, that's coincidence. But as I clicked on it, there is a movement that's happening that people are getting, that are drawing or getting a tattoo of a semicolon somewhere on their person. And it's to bring awareness to mental health and suicide. And as I read through this, I'm like, that's weird because their explanation is when an author could have ended a sentence but chose not to. And so I'm like, the semicolon, like, I believe, this is my belief. I believe God, like, shows me that to point me in that direction to say, hey, this is, in fact, where we need to go when we're addressing these kinds of things. 
We need to go right here. And so the Lord is at hand. And he goes on and says, do not, hey, this is connected. Like it's not the Lord is at hand and a new separate, like this is the right around the corner moment. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. And I know what you're thinking. Yeah, that's easy to say. That's really easy to say. Do not be anxious about anything. Ryan, you don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know what I'm feeling right now. But here's the reality. When we see that, really what it's saying is, do we believe that God is, in fact, who he says he is? Do we believe that he is the creator of the universe, that he knit us together in our mother's rooms? He knew us before we ever were thought of, or maybe even our parents were thought of. He has known us for all of eternity. Do we believe that God is, in fact, who he says he is? Do not be anxious about anything, because if we do, that changes the way that we live our lives. And this isn't, this isn't a, hey, your faith needs to become stronger, you're, you're, you're depressed and your anxiety is, is overwhelming because you're sinful. No, no, this is not that message. Do not hear that. This is when we believe and we understand who God is, who he says he is, we start to go, if he's in charge, then I can trust in that. And whatever I'm dealing with, I know that he is in fact bigger than, and he can help me navigate through this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so that's what we need to do. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so the way that we do not find ourselves to have anxiety about some of these things, the ways that we begin to shine light on our depression is we go and we connect to the Father through prayer. And it says they're in everything. And I think this is part of the problem. I think sometimes we only rely upon God when it's at its absolute worst. And the rest of the time we go, I've got this, God. And I got it mentality. But it says here, in everything, we need to pray and supplication. What that is, that is going in, another word for this is petitioning. The way that I memorize this, it's petition. And really what that is, to, to experience and to pursue supplication, we go to someone who, in fact, can fix it. That's what that word means. Going to someone who has the authority to be able to do something about it. Asking and begging humbly and earnestly is what that supplication really is. And so we must be continually engaging with God. We need to pray on a consistent and regular basis. We need to take those things to God. Hey, God, I'm having a really good day. Take this day. Hey, God, I'm having the worst day of my life. Take this day. You're bigger than my, my joys. You are bigger than my sorrows. And so take these things for me. And then right there, with thanksgiving, with gratitude. Hey, God, I know that you've done it before, and I trust that you're going to do it again. And he says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, when we experience this, I've, I, I hope you have been able to experience this in your life, but there have been moments in my life, this last year when my mom had a stroke and she was in the hospital and she, we didn't know if she was going to make it. This incredible peace washed over me and I said, hey, I know that God is in control and I just trust that this is part of his plan. He saw this one coming. I did not, but I know that this is all part of his plan and this incredible peace just washes over me. 
And I felt that and I've experienced that. And I didn't understand it like scripture tells us. And it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, knowing who he is and knowing what he has done for us. He wraps up with this. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. All of those attributes, every one of those attributes are the attributes of the person of Jesus Christ. That which is true, that which is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, and anything that is excellent. If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And so that's what it's telling us. When you are feeling an incredible depression, when you are feeling the anxiety of the world, what we need to do is we need to put our focus on Jesus. The world is caving in around us. And what we need to say is, I know that Jesus has a plan. I know that he came to this earth to save me and to save all of humanity. And I am going to put my focus on him. It says, think about these things. This is where we need to cast our thoughts. When anxiety settles in, when we're feeling it heavy, we need to pull our mind. We need to pull our focus to Jesus. He says, what have you learned and received and heard and seen in me? Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. When you do these things, the God of peace will be with you. We must do what Paul wrote to the Romans. In chapter 12, verse 2, he says, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. Be transformed, be made new by the renewing of your mind. And there is one way, there is only one source in which we can renew our mind, and that is where ultimate truth is. We sing, when the lies speak louder than the truth, remind me that I belong to you. The place where we're reminded is in God's word. We go to him, we pray, and we say, Lord, like, take this from me. Like, these are the attributes of Jesus when he's in the garden, and he's praying, he's getting ready to go to the cross. He is kneeling and he is begging. He is saying, God, if there is any other way, remove this cup from me. Do not make me go to the cross. If there is any other way, he is begging and he is pleading. He is, he is experiencing prayer and supplication. He's petitioning to God, help me with this. And I know that there are some of you who are here we're saying, God, take this from me. Take this, remove this depression from me. This anxiety, I just can't live with it. Lord, I want to end it all. And here's the reality. Continue to go to God. Cry out to him at every moment of your life without ceasing. Do not stop. And along the way, what you need to do is you need to bring other people in with you. Doing life alone is deadly. It's the reality of it. And so what you need to do, here's the thing. I was talking uh, with Dane last night. He's like, Ryan, what's, what do you, how long do you think until we need to seek out help? I said, hey, if you're, like here, this is real. Like this is, this is some, some real application. If you, you need to be praying through every day of your life. Like we need to, we need to be a, a group that prays more, that connects with God more. Not just when we're in desperate need of him, but when we feel like we may not need him at all, that's when we need to pray the most. He says, what, at what point do you begin to seek this? And I say, hey, if you're like experiencing some anxiety or some, some, 
some, some, some moodiness. I'm not going to call it depression yet. And you've been, it's been weighing on you for about a week. I think you need to invite somebody into that. You need to talk to mom or dad or a good friend who's going to point you in the right direction. You need to bring them into that. And the hope is that as you do that and as you continue to pursue that, that, that anxiety fades away and some of that, that, that gloominess fades away. But if it begins to creep around the 30-day mark, I think that's the moment where you're like, hey, I'm pursuing Jesus in this. I now need to seek some additional support. Because here's the reality, guys. If I, found, if I went to the doctor this week and I found out that I had cancer, a physical illness, I would not just say, hey, I'm going to pray it away and I'm going to connect to Jesus and that is going to cure it all. Like, I am going to seek out opportunities that are available from doctors or from counselors. Like, here's the thing. Medication has been created to help you. And so if you're in here and you're like, man, I've, I felt some shame around that and, and I, I felt guilty. Like, hey, utilize the things that we have been given to grow in health. The foundation is Jesus. But let's look for other things to continue to grow and to heal. Bring people into your life. Satan says, no, 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 no. You should be ashamed of that. You're feeling that way. You shouldn't feel that way. And so you know what you need to do? You need to feel shame for that. You need to grow deeper in your depression and you need to hide yourself. And that's what he wants to do. He wants it to be you and him alone. And you don't fight Satan in the dark. He'll beat you every time. You bring it into the light and you shine light on it. We see from John 1-1 that Jesus is the light of the world. And we shine that on it. And what we realize is that Satan can't stand a chance. Sin can't stand a chance in the light. And so we need to bring that up. We need to pray without ceasing. We need to give it to God. We need to beg and plead with God and say, hey, give this. I'm giving it to you. I know that you're greater than this, and so take it. And we need to continue to come back to that. And when it gets worse, we need to double down. We need to dig in. We need to say, I'm praying harder. And you know what I'm doing? I'm bringing my small group into this. I'm going to finally share it with them. I know it's been hard. I'm going to talk to my parents. And that's going to be a really difficult conversation. But they love me enough to point me in the right direction. And I'm going to meet with a counselor. I'm going to go see a doctor. And if they prescribe me something, I'm going to pursue that. I'm going to talk with my parents. And we're going to figure out a plan as we continue to go back to Jesus. And we say, Lord, we're going to pray this thing and give it to you. Something as big as depression, something as big as anxiety, our God is bigger than all of that. And so what we need to do is we need to constantly be in prayer. We need to be constantly giving it to God. And as we do that, we're pursuing relationships with others through the relationship that we have with Jesus. And we're pursuing those things that we believe can help us. It was never God's plan for us to experience anxiety or depression. It is the result of sin on the world. But here's the thing. The solution is found in Jesus. Hey, note the semicolon. God has something coming. He has something coming. There is not a period on your anxiety. There is not a period on your depression. There is something right around the corner. So let's pursue that together. Let's continue to pursue Jesus. Let's continue to focus on the attributes in the person of Jesus so that we can experience fullness. We can experience peace. And we can experience the love that he has for us. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for how you use your people and how you use your son to save us. Father, be with these students. Be with these parents and these, these leaders. Be with me as we work through the mess and the junk and pursue you and find that you, in fact, can make it right. Thank you for your love.
Amen. 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 Amen.